you know, it's a great Bob Dylan quote. Uh, one of his songs, he sings, to live outside the law, you must be honest. And um, when you start building stuff that is code sketchy, it's on you to make sure it, uh, it's safe. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 146 with Uncle Mud. Rocket mass heaters are a very popular DIY option in the cob, natural building, and permaculture worlds, but is only starting to get traction in the tiny house movement. Today, Chris McClellan, aka Uncle Mud, is here to explain how rocket mass heaters work, how to build one of your own, and most importantly, his design for a tiny rocket heater called the Cottage Rocket, which could be used in a tiny home. I hope you stick around for this really interesting and entertaining interview. I want to tell you about something that I think will be super helpful as you plan, design, and build your tiny house. Tiny House Decisions is the guide that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. It comes in three different packages to help you on your unique tiny house journey. And if you're struggling to just figure out the systems for your tiny house, you know, like how you're going to heat it, how you're going to plumb it, you know, what construction technique are you going to use, like sips or stick framing or steel framing, Tiny House Decisions will take you through all these processes systematically and help you come up with a design that works for you. Right now, I'm offering 20% off any package of Tiny House Decisions. For listeners of the show, you can head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD to learn more and use the coupon code TINY at checkout for 20% off any package. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code TINY for 20% off. All right. I am here with Uncle Mud, a.k.a. Chris McClellan. Uncle Mud raises free-range organic children in suburban Ohio. He uses natural building and rocket mass heaters as his soapbox to preach self-reliance and community empowerment. He can be found anywhere there's mud to play in. Uncle Mud, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. Good to have you here. So I was hoping that we could just start... Um, where I kind of found you, which was rocket mass heaters, um, something that I've been fascinated with for years. And um, I was hoping we could just start super basic for maybe somebody listening who has never heard of a rocket mass heater. You know, what is it? How does it work? Gotcha. Okay. So a uh, fire made out of wood. Uh, you know, when you're burning wood, you are uh, hopefully creating mostly heat with a little bit of carbon dioxide and water as a byproduct by mixing the carbon in the uh, carbon gases in the wood with the oxygen in the air in a hot enough environment that they chemically react cleanly. But um, nature being what it is, we mostly have impurities and inefficiencies in the mix. So uh, a normal wood stove, say, uh, produces, turns about mm, 65% maximum of its 
the heat energy in that wood into uh, heat for your house. Uh, the rest goes up the chimney along with a whole bunch of unburned gases that uh, create pollution and uh, stick to the inside of your chimney and cause chimney fires. So, and we, we have this urge to get a good night's sleep that is so important that it's actually uh, one of the most important benchmarks in the uh, wood stove industry is, can I get an eight hour burn out of this? And we're willing to sacrifice all sorts of inefficiency and pollution to slow down the burn enough to get an eight hour burn and risk the chimney fires and all those other things. So uh, the wood stove industry ends up getting a, uh, a, a bad name for being a dirty, a dirty thing. And um, uh, rocket mass heaters are basically a homemade version of the thousand year old masonry heater or Russian stove design that can be made out of junk metal and, uh, uh, and uh, sandy clay soil or cob. And uh, you basically create a small insulated firebox that you feed cheap or free scraps of wood into. And um, those burn hot and clean and quickly at temperatures that would melt your normal wood stove. And the hot gases then are clean enough that you don't have to send them directly out the chimney with all your heat. You can send them through a, uh, a thermal battery heat exchanger. Uh, like a, a large bench made out of uh, cob and stone that can slowly that stores that heat and slowly releases it. So that's been going on. The study of that has been going on for about thirty years now. Uh, my place in it has been developing rocket heaters that work with smaller mass batteries, such as a. Um, you would use in a tiny house or a um or i built one for a school bus i've I built them for um a tree house for my daughter's tree house for uh the the double wide trailer that i live in uh these things don't work very well as environments for putting a very heavy storage thermal storage battery in so we've worked out ways to make a tiny house rocket heater. Um, that's what we're currently involved in. Well, then you are, you are just the right person to, to have on the show to talk about rocket heaters because, you know, this is the tiny house lifestyle podcast. And it's always, you know, it's a bummer when we hear about really cool, sustainable things like, you know, like a live roof, for example, that, you know, would be difficult to put on a trailer on a vehicle that is, that needs to get towed. So, before we get into the the tiny house specific stuff, um, I want to go back because you just said so so many things that I want to kind of follow up on. On your website, you there's a quote that said on your rocket mass heater project page that says a local fire chief describes the design as quote the first non suicidal wood stove. So can can you say a little bit more about that? Like why? Why are they so safe? Because when I look at a rocket mass heater, usually the place where you feed the the wood to burn looks like this open little hole. Like, 
like this fire hole in the middle of your house. Like, how is that safer? Well, so if you have a fire hole in the middle of your house, but the the chimney inside of it is sucking at the air that goes into it so hard that the fire burns sideways and you can actually reach your hand in and adjust the wood that's burning because the air being pulled in is cooling everything down and you have a large enough surface area of this mass heater collecting and absorbing absorbing and releasing slowly the heat uh, from that concentrated hot spot that you can sit on the heater while you're feeding it uh, and you're not going to burn yourself and the, the the only real hot spot top of the barrel that's radiating heat into the room is up where little kids can't get to it and uh, those are our safety measures those improve uh, the safety uh, safety of burning wood in the house I mean, when we had a wood stove and four little kids, we had a uh, a dog uh, kennel fence around the thing to keep the kids from crawling into it or climbing too close to it. And uh, when we replaced that with a rocket heater, um, the uh, the bench that surrounded it didn't get super hot and they had to be old enough to be able to figure out how to climb up onto the bench before they could get to a place where they could touch anything super hot. And by then they'd figured out that it was super hot and not to touch it, which was nice. But the, uh, the non-suicidal thing that our, uh, our, our fire chief was talking about was comes from the uh, horrible experiences that he and uh, our lovely firefighters uh, like him have of um, pulling dead children out of uh, houses that uh, uh, that burned down because of a chimney fire because um, it's expensive to get somebody to clean your chimney uh, once or twice a year to have it be safe to run a wood stove. It's uh, And some people don't take care of that for long enough that creosote actually clogs their chimney and the exhaust from the wood stove comes uh, back into the house at night while everybody's sleeping and nobody wakes up. You know, these are the horrible experiences that give uh, our firefighters nightmares. So um, to have a wood stove that will um, burn small amounts of wood, hot and clean, so that there's no smoke and no creosote to uh, catch on fire later. and minimal hot spots uh to uh hurt people that's kind of exciting uh now i gotta uh come clean though the rest of his quote was uh too bad they're illegal and um you know if you're living in a house that's on wheels already uh you're already in you've already drunk the kool-aid of uh of i'm gonna just do what i want and uh deal with the consequences I'm not going to particularly worry necessarily about legality and whatnot, but I, but you do want it to be safe. And, uh, you know, it's a great Bob Dylan uh, quote, uh, one of his songs, he sings, to live outside the law, you must be honest. And uh, <laughs> when you start building stuff that uh, is code sketchy, 
it's on you to make sure it uh, it's safe. And um, these rocket heaters uh, are uh, as pretty much as safe as you can get if you understand them and if you take the time to to practice and learn how they work. I mean, like driving a car or the difference between um, driving a car versus driving a sports car. Uh, I learned how to not drive in the snow by wrecking my dad's T-Bird <laughs> when I was 17 because it didn't handle the same as the, uh, as the little four-wheel drive pickup he'd taught me to drive in. Uh, wood stoves uh, and uh, rocket heaters is a learning curve with any sort of uh, do-it-yourself heat. Sure. And uh, rocket heaters are just fine if you, if you, can, if you learn to learn how to, how to deal with them uh, before, you, before you rely on them or before you go to sleep in the same room as one. Right. So is it reasonable to expect that, that a homeowner or a tiny homeowner or somebody could reasonably, you know, watch some videos, maybe buy a set of plans and build a safe rocket mass heater? Or should, should people always hire a professional to build, build one with them? I think spending time with a professional is very useful because mm -hmm. you get you get the chance to um, you know I mean like you take a workshop with somebody and you help build somebody else's rocket heater. Hopefully, the teacher will ha take the time as you're building it to discuss the things you're going to run into, like um, the the amount of uh, pipe you're going to uh, sink into your uh, your thermal mass um, before you start running into uh, friction issues that slow the whole thing down and cause it to backdraft. Hopefully you'll have a, a teacher who will uh, uh, share how exactly the fire works so that uh, you're not discovering it when you get a face full of smoke uh, at your house for the first time, you're discovering it in the company of, of somebody who's, who's watching out for you. Um, but uh, it, it is not impossible or even dumb to figure this out yourself. Uh, you just have to take more precautions. If you treat a rocket mass heater as an experimental device, uh, you're going to be okay. And I'm not saying experimental in, in that we don't know how they work yet. We do know how they work. But experimental is in that I'm experimenting because I haven't done this yet. Uh, and the same as we would treat a, a car if we haven't learned to drive yet. So uh, just like build build a rocket heater in your driveway and uh, uh, and lay out all of the plumbing and and watch it work or not work and uh, get on the forums and discuss it with people and send them pictures and and let them tell you how dumb you are and all of the you know horrible things that come from using an online community um uh, just you know let it slide off and uh somebody will uh, will teach you what they've learned already and you can do the same for others later but yeah do it in a in a place that uh that's safe build the thing outside first before you build it inside and learn where the hot spots are and where the spots are where uh where ash will get stuck and uh clog things up and you know learn where the where the feed should be so that you don't have to get up and uh and uh to go over and put wood in it 
And uh, all of these things will make you much happier with the product when you finally stick it in your house. Is it something that you could build in your driveway and then move into your house? It, it always strikes me that these things must weigh like a million pounds. Yes, a Cobb rocket mass heater uh, for the average, uh, um, you know, let's say 1,500, 2,000 square foot house uh, should weigh about six tons. But um, the, uh, the core of it, that is used uh that that is the part that you have to really get right um is a couple of hundred pounds uh of fire brick and cob and uh ceramic wool that uh that you can build and then take apart and put uh in someplace else after you've got it figured out and um and one of the lovely things about cob for instance is is i can build something and if it didn't work I can break it apart and soak it in water and and now I have wet cob again that I can sculpt something else out of. Right. I can do that over and over. So it's not a matter of do I build this and then have to figure out how to drag it inside. In fact, the cottage rockets that we've been designing are designed to actually be shippable. Uh so a 50 gallon drum cottage rocket should weigh less than 150 pounds. And uh, the idea being I can ship you something that I know works and you can plug it in like you would a normal wood stove and uh, uh, in your tiny house and or in your workshop or whatever, and then fill it with cob or pea gravel or mass. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to build something like that in your driveway, we have these uh, cottage rocket parties. Well, before COVID, we had a lot of these uh, you know, every month or so I'd have half a dozen or a dozen people come from all over and we'd build cottage rockets for people to take home. Sweet. And uh, it was fantastic fun, fantastic learning experience because, well, I want you to be able to play with my plasma cutter and, uh, and uh, uh, something empowering about learning how to use an angle grinder without catching your hair on fire. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about the process for building one of these. Like what, what materials do you need what tools do you need and what like what is putting one together kind of look like gotcha so basic rocket heater could be and um something like it has been built by our ancestors before they had metals i mean they just dig a hole and uh out out on the mongolian steps and they would uh and then build a uh, a little chimney up where they could set and uh, set some uh, set a pot and cook over uh, the hot clean fire they got from letting the right amount of air in with the little sticks that they they had to burn or whatever their fuel was. So you can build something of a of a rocket mass heater even with just primitive materials like uh cob of uh, uh, used ash and uh stone when we didn't have any fire brick and clay the thing works better if you have some more refined materials refractory materials that are designed to handle the high temperatures like uh fire brick i mean uh fire brick is a great a thing for making your rocket heater last longer because the the cob just kind of wears out if you're poking sticks with it and uh and the intense heat kind of 
just let me just slop away over time. But uh, if you line the inside of your uh, burn chamber with you know, the inch and a quarter fire bricks that you can buy at your local ceramic uh, or uh, uh, brick supply place, they're not very expensive and and they're easily replaceable when something cracks because you know high temperatures something will eventually crack and the more modular you can build the thing the more you can keep it going by replacing or repairing the parts that break uh one of the lovely things about cob is you got this mushy lump and when something cracks you add a little water and rub it and and smoosh it into place uh it's a great material for building houses or or uh high temperature heaters or or pizza ovens because it's cheap to begin with and it's ultimately forgivable of mistakes you can redo whatever you're working on over and over until you get it right so the uh, uh when you start getting into situations where you want something that is high performance and perhaps even more lightweight then then you start looking at um more like ceramic wool or uh, uh or uh duraboard high temperature um ceramic insulative board for kilns those are handy especially if you're trying to squeeze this into a small space one of the most important aspects of using a cottage rocket or using a rocket heater in a tiny enclosed space is that you don't have the luxury of lots of space between your heater and your uh, wall and and you may look and say well i've got cement board up on this wall this wall's not flammable but the studs inside of it are flammable and the uh and the wood siding on the other side of that wall is flammable and if it gets hot enough and uh if you can't see it you can't tell that it's too hot it will burst into flame eventually even if it's not this week so, so really, these uh, some of these more expensive materials that are important are like the insulative materials or the uh, or the sheet metal to create uh, heat barriers that that suck cool air in from down low and warm it and circulate it up into the room instead of letting it sink into the walls where it might make things melt or catch on fire right so do you sell plans for the the cottage rocket we do we um we've uh we've backed off a little on that we because there are there are issues with rocket heaters with legality with the epa tests the the tests that the United States Environmental Protection Agency uses to allow or disallow a wood-burning heating appliance are based on batch heating. Like you fill your wood stove with wood and you light it, and if it passed the EPA's test of uh, of having little enough particulate matter in a two-hour burn, then they can go to the next step of getting their safety test and the UL test to, to then market a wood stove. But a rocket heater doesn't have a, uh, a 
a batch to throw a two hour burn worth of fuel into. It has this little hole in the top that you drop little twigs in as you need more carbon to burn. And um, that doesn't fit the EPA testing protocols. We're working on that. In fact, uh, there's a, a stove going up for uh, approval right now. Uh, Liberator, so rocketheater.com uh, is a company out of Missouri that produces the Liberator rocket heater that is the only one right now that's UL listed. So your insurance company will let you stick it in your in your house. It'll also burn pellets without electricity, which is kind of cool, and plug into a 12-foot thermal mass bench to store the heat instead of sending it all, all the extra heat up the chimney. That's a nice setup. And their second-generation stove is going up right now for the EPA testing. And once they succeed, there will be a burn protocol that lets us uh, uh, in introduce more of these heaters. Uh, because right now, most of the ones I build are actually too big for tiny houses. But most of the ones that, that are legal for code approval that I build are uh, too big for tiny houses because they go with the masonry heater code that requires them to be uh, almost a ton. And you don't want to put that on wheels necessarily. No. So with the cottage rocket, um, you mentioned that it's a lot lighter weight. And I, I was looking at some pictures on on your website of them. And it looks like it's just the 50-gallon drum. And then that's that's it. Or like that's the whole footprint of the cottage rocket. Um, right. So where, right. where does the mass come from? Is there mass kind of inside of that? Drum. There, there are two places to put the mass. One is, uh, so on a normal rocket mass heater, your core that where you do your burning plugs into a um, a mass bench uh, or a mass wall uh, to uh, store the heat in a big chunk of cob or brick or stone or whatever that slowly releases the heat. Uh, in a tiny house, you don't need six tons of mass to store enough heat for heating the place overnight. You don't have room for it either. And, uh, and you might not even have room enough for a, uh, for a small bench. But uh, Cobb, for instance, uh, uh, has a, a thermal density that allows uh, heat to travel through at about an inch per hour. So if I have a pipe going through uh, a cob mass and it's and then the pipe is two inches from the surface of the bench, you'll start having a warm butt on your bench about two hours after you've started uh, burning. And if but if it's only two inches, you're going to have uh, an overheated butt um, after you've been uh, running this thing for about four hours. The cottage rocket design says instead of giving me uh, six tons of 100 degree or 110 degree mass, give me uh, a quarter of a ton of 600 degree mass because that mass is surrounding the small inside chimney 
inside uh, around the core of the the burner where the temperatures are up around 1500 degrees so you're uh, so you're getting a smaller piece of mass much hotter and uh, as long as it's big enough to still be radiating heat eight hours later when you wake up it's not going to work as well for a, a large house but it is going to be enough heat that your tiny house doesn't it's enough heat storage that your tiny house doesn't get overheated right now while you're burning the wood and then isn't super cold when when you wake up in the morning and that's really kind of what we're looking for for uh for a heater there's a whole bunch of lovely little uh stoves for um for tiny houses uh you know the the kodiak or the the, the cube or um uh who's those guys that make the 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 there's a um tinywoodstoves.com they they have a line of them yeah there's a whole bunch of those and um and it's hard to get one to burn cleanly for eight hours but that's really what we want we want to not have to get up in the middle of the night to 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 feed this thing so the cottage rocket is a uh and, and some of them are thirty five hundred dollars and uh and I've had a wood stove that I had to feed three times uh, in the night. And and to me, if I have thirty five hundred bucks, I'm going to spend it to not have to get up three times in the night. Right. Um, I think you're talking about the Kimberly, the Kimberly and the Katie did. Thank you. Yes, I yeah. am. I keep forgetting their name. It's a it's a very good stove and it cost more than my daughter's entire house uh, by almost twice as much. And um Yeah. No, and it's it's it almost looks like a rocket stove. Like it's got, it, it is cylindrical, and I think that there is like a secondary combustion type thing that happens it's inside a, it's of it. It's a gasifier, yes. Gasifier. It's, a, it's a very efficient, and 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 it's not cheap. So the cottage rockets that I build, you should be able to build one for yourself if you scrounge the materials. Um, we've built them for 50 bucks or less uh more reasonable budget might be 400 in materials uh the idea being to create something out of a 50 gallon or a 35 gallon drum or a couple of them that will heat your tiny house and still have some heat for you in the morning the first one i built for my daughter's tree house actually worked so well that we ended up putting it in our double wide instead of her tree house and heated the house with that for three years before we uh, went and tried one of these other ones. Just as we've been testing them to see how things work. We've got uh, uh, videos on our YouTube channel from uh, running the Liberator. We've got them from running the, uh, the Gamera rocket heaters from, uh, Romania, uh, from Bulgaria. Sorry, those are fantastic heaters. And they've got a range of sizes uh, to fit tiny houses and and big houses. And we're running one right now. And uh, sitting in my driveway is the second generation uh, uh, Liberator getting ready to have an unboxing video this week. Nice. So um, we've been testing these things. So we want to see what works and where it works and uh, what size, what kind of mass it needs in order to uh, to still be warm in the morning and not get blasted out of heat uh, when you're running it. Yeah. And, um, and so we've, we've been actually going up to, uh, Paul Wheaton's place in Montana, building tiny house rocket heaters there for their little sheds that they rent out for events. 
and uh, uh, experimenting with some of his ideas of, as to how to build them and seeing what works and what doesn't. And uh, learning a lot about, uh, about uh, how to heat small spaces without catching them on fire. That's, that's good. Um, yeah. I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Tiny House Decisions, my signature guide and the resource that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. It starts with the big decisions, which is, you know, should you build a tiny house yourself or with help? Um, is, a, is a pre-built shell a good idea? Um, is a house on wheels better than on the ground and what works better for you? Um, deciding on the overall size, deciding on whether you should use custom plans or pre-made plans, different types of trailers and more. Uh, then in, the, in part two, we get into the system. So heat, water, showers, hot water, toilets, electrical, refrigeration, ventilation. And we're only two thirds of the way through the book at this point. From systems, we go into construction decisions, talking about nails versus screws, SIPs versus stick framed versus advanced framing versus metal framing. Uh, we talk about how to construct a subfloor, sheathing, roofing materials, insulation, windows, flooring, kitchen. I know I'm just reading off the table of contents, but I just want to give you a sense of how comprehensive Tiny House Decisions is. Uh, it's a total of 170 pages. It contains tons of full-color drawings, diagrams, and resources. And it really is the guide that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. Right now, I'm offering 20% off any package of Tiny House Decisions using the coupon code TINY when you head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD. That's THD for Tiny House Decisions. Again, that's coupon code TINY when you check out at thetinyhouse.net slash THD. One big question that's come up for me as, as we've talked and, and also from the videos that I've seen is how do you deal with, with makeup air? Cause I'm envisioning this fire that's really just sucking air through the feed tube. And then, you know, here yeah, I am in my yeah. tiny house that is built really tight. You know, it doesn't have a lot of air leakage. Um, do you have to provide, well, I'm sure you do have to provide makeup air, but how do you go about providing makeup air rather than just having the rocket mass heater suck air through every tiny little crack in your house? So there's a debate on that um, because basically if you have a house that's too small and too tight, then you're going to have what's called sick house because just your breathing is going to create so much humidity that you start getting mold in the house and you start breathing the mold and you're, you're breathing your own. Uh, in addition to breathing your own uh, carbon dioxide and the carbon monoxide from your, uh, your propane uh, burner for uh, for your water heater, your right. propane burner for your uh, uh, for your your cooking stove. You're you know, you're you're, uh, you're also going to be smelling your own socks right. and uh, uh, and your own bo if your house is too tight. Well, these you know a tight tiny house. If if you're doing it correctly, you're also building in you know some kind of mechanical ventilation as well. Air exchange. Right, air yes, exchange. yes, absolutely. And um, so having the right amount of air exchange to be comfortable is really an important thing to calculate and to you know, get help from somebody who actually knows how to calculate it, right? Uh, or be willing to waste some fuel while you figure it out yourself. 
The debate, though, is whether to give the fresh, clean, beautiful, sweet outside air to your fire directly by running a little tube up next to it or uh, or to let that extra air come in from across the room so that you get to breathe it and the fire gets to breathe your dirty sock air. That's the debate. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and there are people who, who come down on either side of that debate. And every one of those people agrees that you really, it's really important to have the right amount of makeup air. I mean, uh, my, my father-in-law's perfectly good suburban 2,500 square foot house has a big problem in that it's so tight that the, uh, the wood stove wouldn't run when they installed one uh, in their fireplace. And it competed for air with their propane heater. Uh, and even the dryer was competing for air with their propane heater or natural gas. And um, so they actually had to figure out how much uh, makeup air to bring in and how to bring it in. If you just bring a line in and stick it next to this heater uh, rocket heaters are balanced so well as to not send unnecessary warm air up the uh, chimney when you're not needing it to, to go they're balanced so well that they can actually reverse and and cause the chimney the smoke to come into the room and uh, or to go out your um, your in air intake so you have to design around that so like the one we installed in a basement this year we brought in the outside air intake and and it came to about three feet uh, from the air intake of the of the fire of the uh rocket heater and it came in below that so that there's not going to be a reversal because you don't want the plastic pipe that you brought cool air into to try to act as a chimney that's all kinds of bad got it okay i i'm envisioning like a, a plastic pipe coming down from above above your feed tube and then all of a sudden it becomes the chimney no that that's scary and it can happen in just having your rocket heater in a sunroom in uh, a two-story a one-story sunroom in a two-story house that if if the window upstairs gets open that's suddenly the higher chimney than your chimney. So, you know, and that can happen with a normal wood stove too. It's, it's an important design element to, to figure out how can I absolutely minimize the chances of air coming in the wrong way and going out the wrong way. And uh, how do I, even if I have to sacrifice a little bit of warm air, if you look at the code design for a wood stove chimney or for a fireplace chimney for that matter uh they all sacrifice warm air and efficiency for safety as as they should to an extent i've stayed in one uh yanto evans who developed the rocket here is one of the original originators of the idea has this beautiful little uh rocket heater in his guest house that but he's also a very thrifty person i think that's the nicest way to describe that is thrifty uh-huh. in that um this thing is designed so that if you try to burn wood and go to bed with a fire burning 
as it starts to die out, it backdrafts into the room on purpose to start creating smoke because what he wants you to do is put the fire out before you go to bed and not waste the fuel and get in under your blanket and be warm instead of uh, using the extra fuel to keep the room warm unnecessarily. And um, it's, it's genius, but it's kind of mad genius because uh, uh, we, we get a little soft as, as Americans thinking, well, I want to wake up to warm, so I'm going to stoke this up really good and go to bed. And that, uh, that's a terrifying thing to do at Yanto's house. Right. And it sounds like you don't really, you don't need that because it's a, ma- a rocket mass heater. It's going to stay warm for hours anyway. It will, it, it, it will stay warm, but um, his idea of warm is, is less, um, uh, less comfortable than perhaps our idea of warm. Right. Uh, I, I would much, you know, we, we're used to being able to get up to pee in the middle of the night and, and, uh, and not be uncomfortable. And perhaps most of humanity's experience has been that as long as you're still alive in the morning, you're willing to break the ice off of the water bucket in the kitchen. So, so, you know, the, the rocket heaters are most efficient if you, uh, if you've got it figured out as to how little you can do with uh, one of the uh, benefits of uh, that I found of rocket heaters is that uh, white oak firewood in my area goes for about three hundred dollars a cord. Uh, you know, where somebody went out and cut it all down and split it and brought it over, and then I stack it up and I bring it in and I feed my wood stove. The hardwood scraps that I feed my rocket heaters with will have these little these uh, pieces of, of, of little stuff that if you tried to just throw that into a, a wood stove, it would just go all over the place and not burn very well, but it's great for dropping in to a rocket heater or a cottage rocket. And it's about $30 a cord instead of $300 a cord. So I've got a heater that uses between uh 10% and 50% of the wood that a normal wood stove would to create a certain amount of wood, a certain amount of heat. And I'm doing that with fuel that costs a tenth as much. And, and then I've got this thermal battery on the back of it storing most of the heat that would have gone up the chimney so that I, I can really, you know, lower my use of, of, uh, of, you know, carbon creating heat source in the the northeast where we don't get much solar in the winter and we we uh and we really need something to keep us warm yeah and we have an abundance of of trees so it's a yes yes kind of a natural cycle and an industrial post-industrial scrap wood is 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 a big resource where i live all of the pallet cutoffs yep. all of the uh um, the hardwood flooring cutoffs from the uh, from the manufacturer down the street from me. Instead of the thousand dollars I was spending some months for propane with this house that I, I live in, I'm spending a hundred dollars a year for a dump truck full of uh, of hardwood scraps, kiln dried hardwood scraps from the mill down the street. And that stuff comes from the local. Um, uh, the local forestry operations. Yep. So uh, it's a lot 
had a lot less jet lag, if you will, than uh, say, uh, you know, bringing over fuel from, uh, you know, from the oil industry uh, on the other side of the world. So that's kind of nice. It would be nice to have some more solar around here, but it's gray here, yeah. which is what we, the price we pay for living someplace with a sixth of the world's fresh water coming through the Great Lakes. Yep. Yep. So I think that people are going to hear this, people who are maybe in the process of designing or building a tiny house right now, and they might be really keen to learn more and, and really get into rocket mass heaters. Um, you know, where can people find you? And do you have any resources that you recommend um, for people who really want to learn more and maybe get their hands dirty building one of these things? Absolutely. Absolutely. The first thing I would say is before you even like look at my stuff or talk to me, insulate, insulate, insulate. Um, it's hard to think of, well, how am I going to get more insulation into uh, a tiny house that I might not want to give more than three inches to the wall cavity? But, um, and, or how do I do this? Uh, how do I forgive myself for using polyiso because it works so much better for, for my tiny house than straw bales that would take up uh, a half of my, my floor space? And be too heavy to haul around in my uh, on my trailer. You know, we, we should wrestle with ourselves on these these questions. But you know, you can get the best insulation that's already been pulled off of the industrial roof that it was put in 10, 15 years ago for half the price of the new stuff. It's already off-gassed. It's already uh, been committed to creating. The, the toxicity that it did in the world go ahead and use it again um to get good insulation in your house to lessen your uh amount of um of carbon burn to be comfortable but if you uh you know if you want to try to understand the things that you're working with that's that's what uncle mud is about is the encouraging people to you know, get their hands muddy and uh, and learn what they need to learn and, and become aware of the amazing resources. Some of the best natural building, building science people in the world live right there next to you guys. The um, uh, Ace and Deborah Recu uh, Ace uh, McCarlton and Deborah Cusen from uh, uh, wrote a great book on high efficiency natural building using carbon using uh, uh, straw and uh, bone and cellulose in buildings as a carbon sink and also to avoid using foam because the foam in a, uh, in a passive house that doesn't have a furnace actually creates more environmental uh, damage than eating a normal stick-built house would take in it uh, to heat the thing in its entire lifespan you you've already done more damage just making your foam super house wow so uh, before you've even moved in um uh, but this is the type of uh calculation and work that our straw bale builders in the northeast are doing and uh chris magwood and deidre mcgowan and uh those uh, amazing folks up in canada where it gets even colder are figuring out these details and some of them work over for tiny houses. Uh, I really like using straw clay 
in tiny houses uh, that don't have to be on wheels because it's it's cheap and it works and uh and the combination of thermal mass and intuition is comfortable uh whereas maybe cob isn't going to be comfortable in in our climate here patreon.com forward slash uncle mud is my um uh is is my patron uh patrons only uh website where i put extended technical uh, video and resources like the the development information on the cottage rocket as we're working on it and the uh, uh report on experiments around that like the wood uh, the uh sorry the workshop rocket which is basically a non thermal mass version of that for heating your your workshop because your tools don't care what temperature it is but you'd like to be warm within a couple of minutes of going in there and then you know let the fire go out and 20 minutes later it's cold in there so what but as long as you're tinkering around you throw a couple of sticks in as you walk by workshop rocket works really well the sauna rocket the the, the greenhouse rocket uh, these are uh, some of the iterations we have on that the, uh, the youtube channel for uncle mud uh, has some great resources because we do a lot of visiting people who are doing amazing things. I love visiting people who are smarter than me uh, because that's how I learned something. And I get to share that when maybe they're too busy being smarter than me to share it with the rest of us. So, uh, and and we we get to visit a lot of wonderful people doing amazing stuff. And we put that on our YouTube channel. And uh, uh, we try to get it on Facebook as best we can, answer questions that way. And I really like seeing what people uh, are doing themselves uh, you know, when they post it. Share it to our Uncle Mud page. Because it means that that they're actually paying attention both to, uh, to what we're trying to say and also uh, to sharing it with the rest of us. Because that, you know, passing it around, getting some open source information out there uh, is the only way we have to, to compete at all with uh, a world that wants you to, wants to sell you something every time everywhere you look well that's uh i feel like that's a really great place to leave it you've been such an inspiring guest you've shared so much knowledge and information and and i hope people do check out your website and youtube channel and patreon um, i'll post those links in the show notes page for this episode which after we're done People who are listening to this as an official episode, they'll hear what that is. And uh, great, great, Uncle Mud. Yeah, I, I do want to mention um, the I've written an article that you can find on my Patreon site or on Mother Earth News website. Uh, we've done a lot of articles and video you know, webinars and stuff for Mother Earth News. And um, one of the videos that we did was of my daughter's treehouse uh, when she turned eighteen. She decided she was moving out, which we thought was odd because she didn't have a job and she was in college. But she ended up, she built a treehouse and lived in it for two years. It had a, a rudimentary kitchen and a, uh, and a composting toilet and electricity. And, and it, what it meant was that she had choices rather than taking all of the money that we could afford to give her and all the money that she could make to just barely stay alive while she scrabbles through whatever degree she latches on to early on because she doesn't have choices. Uh, I've become a real fan of, of uh, helping people make it work through 
in multi-generational family situations by giving people their own little breathing space, even if they have to come into the main house to do laundry and get the internet and go through the fridge, they've still got their treehouse where they can sleep or their little shed where they can go out and make their, their loud music and or just be away from the rest of us, uh, have their own space. Um, having something that's your own, uh, even if it's not on property that you own, is really empowering uh, uh, to uh, give you uh, economic and um, freedom and also the intellectual freedom to say, well, what can I do and what can I afford to uh, what can I afford to to um, to mess up? Uh, you know, the banks, we talk about too big to fail, but with tiny houses, with figuring out how to put uh, a, an apartment in in your aunt's garage like I did to get through college with no debt but do it in a way that nobody could see because the neighborhood didn't like it. You know, these type of things, even if you fail and it costs you a couple hundred bucks or you have to move more quickly than you thought you could, find a way out and uh, and do something that you can afford to fail at uh, rather than being stuck and 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 that'll give you the tools to succeed more later as well. Awesome. Well, Uncle Mud, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. This was this was awesome. Absolutely. It's good to meet you. Uh, I look forward to seeing more of your stuff, too. Thank you so much to Uncle Mud for being a guest on the show today. You can find the show notes from today's episode, including images of Uncle Mud's cottage rocket, some embedded YouTube videos, and more at thetinyhouse.net slash 146. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 146. Also, don't forget to check out Tiny House Decisions, the guide that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. I'm offering 20% off any package right now at thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code TINY for 20% off. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD, coupon code TINY for 20% off. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.